This is Matthew 5, 4, and I want you to hear these words, and then we're going to get into our continuation of this series called All the Feels, and, and this is going to lead us into this talk today. Matthew 5, 4 says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, these are the words of Jesus to a group of people as he was teaching about life as he was teaching about eternal life, as he was teaching about this thing that he called the kingdom of God, as he was inviting people to come and follow him, he began to pronounce these blessings upon them. And these people that he said are blessed or are a part of this blessed life, what that looks like. And it was backwards. It was different. It was opposite of what they anticipated. And for us, these words are supposed to sound like a contradiction of sorts. They're supposed to make us think that's not the way I normally think of a blessed life. So listen again to what Jesus says. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, in thinking about this, this is something that I wrote down as I reflected on this. This is kind of what I thought about as I, as I sat down and I began to think through this passage and what this looks like, as I thought about the All the Fields sermon series we're in and what I wanted to talk about today. The, the notes that I wrote, the things that I wrote, the, the, the thoughts that I had were this, that we will not go through life that I will not go through life, that you will not go through life without grief staring you in the face. And if you're unsure about that before, you're definitely aware of it now. See, the year 2020 will not be one that is soon forgotten. We have faced a tumultuous 14 weeks that took away our social interaction. It took away millions of jobs. It took away a loss of life that continues at almost 1,000 people per day. And these 14 weeks took away a certainty of a future that we thought we had. And what this has left us with is more questions than we have answers about what's ahead. Now, even as I say that, as I point out these statistical reality, and as I show us what things look like today that we're all aware of, even as I talk about those things, I know that some of us don't even want to talk about it anymore. Some of us are ready to move on, to get over it, to get on with our lives. But here's what we know. This pandemic crisis that we're facing, it's, it's not over. It's still very much something that we're facing today and that we're going to continue to face. And it's forced us to confront our grief. And ignoring that grief... And the source of that grief is unhealthy. And that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks with this All the Feels sermon series, is the grief that we're facing, the emotions that come with it. And rather than ignoring that grief, facing that grief head on, naming the feelings that we have, and allowing God to take those feelings, giving those feelings and emotions to God, and see what He can do with them recognizing throughout Scripture that people have dealt with issues of grief in unhealthy ways, and as we'll see, in healthy ways, in ways that has allowed God to take those moments of uncertainty and turn them into holy moments, to take those moments of fear and to turn those into moments of holy moments 
to take what we're facing and allow God to work in and through it. And somehow, as Jesus says, to lead us to a blessed life through it and as a part of it, as we synthesize our emotions and our faith and the feelings that we're having and our grief and all those things come together as we listen to what God has to say to us. But ignoring our grief and the source of that grief is unhealthy. Now, David Kessler is the foremost, the world's foremost expert on grief. I've read this quote a couple times, but I want to read it again because he was recently interviewed about the experience that we've had over the past few months. And this is what David Kessler had to say. He says, we're feeling a number of different griefs. We feel the world has changed, and it has. We know this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way, and we realize things will be different. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toll, the loss of connection. This is hitting us, and we're grieving. Collectively. We are not used to this kind of collective grief in the air. And I want to read what he says there again. The loss of normalcy, the fear of economic toll, the loss of connection. All of us have felt that in some way, and we've responded in different ways. We saw that we've gone through this thing that we call grief, and through these emotions that we connect with grief, sadness and anger and fear and denial. And he says, we've all felt it. We've all felt it through the loss of normalcy. We've all felt it through the fear of economic toll. We've all felt a loss of connection. We've dealt with those griefs in different ways. And he also says that we're not used to this kind of collective grief. See, because we're not used to it, therefore, we're quick to move on with it, to, to, to deny it, to get on with our lives, to get back to th how things used to be. And the more that we read and the more we see what people like Kessler have to say, we, more, we realize this, that psychologists and counselors like David Kessler tell us that that approach to quickly move on from grief is unhealthy. And what we see here in this passage, that blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, is that Jesus tell us, tells us that that approach to quickly move on from grief isn't just unhealthy, it's unspiritual. Listen again. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Rather than telling people experiencing grief to ignore it here, Jesus encouraged them to experience it fully. Jesus said, rather than ignore what you're feeling, rather than ignore the mourning that you have, Jesus encouraged them to fully experience it, to embrace that grief, to fully feel it, even to be, listen to that word, blessed by it. Now, this was a significant shift in Jesus' day as much as it is a shift today. See, whether in the time of Jesus or today, people are often notorious for telling us to ignore our grief. They tell us we don't have enough faith or maybe that we did something wrong, but this isn't what Jesus said. Teaching before a crowd of people, Jesus shared with them the way to truly live. He invited them to follow him into a new way of experiencing life. He invited them to embrace his teaching, and that teaching involved embracing grief. 
He taught people to embrace his teaching, and that teaching embraced grief. So think about that. What we find is that moving on from grief too quickly, ignoring the reality around us, is not good for our lives. It's an unhealthy reality for us. But Jesus is showing us here it's also unspiritual. And teaching about the very reality, the experience of heaven coming to reality in our lives, Jesus said to mourn. And if we do, we'll be blessed and comforted, experiencing the goodness, the mercy, the grace, the love of God that he so much wants for all of us to experience. But here's what I want to point out today. As I read this verse and I look at it in the context, it's the depth of the mourning that is so powerful in this verse. Now, in English, we have this weird thing where we use one word to describe all sorts of different things. One example of that is love. And we've talked about this before. This isn't something new, but I I think it's important for us to understand this because it helps us understand what we're reading in Scripture. When I talk about love, I can talk about loving my wife. I can talk about loving pizza. I can talk about loving my grass and my yard. I can talk about loving my car. I can talk about loving music and my guitars. But the word that I use is all the same, love. And the nuance comes from the relationship that I have with those things or those people. And you're supposed to figure it out by the context. But that's not how Greek works. The language that we find here is that there are different words that give us different nuances about that. So in Greek, there are five different words for the word love, and the same is true of the word mourn. So when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, he's using a specific word here that is a specific type of mourning. And the word he uses is the strongest word for mourning found in the Greek language. It is the word you would use if you lost someone you loved. It's feeling that pain at the deepest level and working through that emotion. When Jesus says you are to mourn and embrace that mourning, that blessed are those who are experiencing this kind of grief, he's saying at the deepest level, the hardest reality that we face, the most difficult type of, of mourning, he says that is what he's talking about here. Now, in the ancient world, when people would mourn, they would shave their heads, they would tear their clothes, they would sit in ashes, and they would spread those ashes all over their bodies. It's a fascinating ritual of experience and grief. Now, I don't think that's what Jesus is necessarily telling the people in his day to do, nor do I think that's what he's telling us to do. What I think he's telling us to do is to lean all the way into that grief. See, that's what that ritual was about. It was about not moving on so quickly. It was about sitting in your grief, sitting in those ashes, sitting in the junk that we're facing. A friend of mine says that all the time. Can we just sit in this a little bit? Why do we have to be so quick to move on to other things? Can't we just sit in this and experience it? It's uncomfortable. That's why he says you tore their clothes. They put ashes on their bodies. They shaved their heads. (laughs) 
It's not something that quickly comes back, right? I made a decision a few weeks ago. I'm just going to cut all this off because I haven't had a chance to get it cut. I'm just going to shave it, right? It'll come back in a while, but I have to be patient. I have to wait. And that's what he's talking about here. You have to grieve and be patient and sit in it for a little while. To put it another way, I think we're actively working against God when we tell people to get over it, to cheer up, to put on a happy face. Jesus doesn't want us to short-circuit the grieving process. He wants us to have empathy, to experience the pain of others and the pain that we are feeling. Listen to that again. He wants us to have the empathy, to experience the pain of others and the pain that we are feeling. And we know this because this is how Jesus expressed grief. In the book of John, we find the story of a man named Lazarus. And we talked about this story last week. He was the brother of two sisters who followed Jesus, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus became incredibly sick, and he was dying. So his sister sent word to Jesus amid their grief. Now I want to look at it again today. And we looked at it last week. We looked at a different nuance about it. But I want to look at it today because I want to see another piece of this story that's so important to us as we wrestle with our grief. John 11. We're going to start in verse 1. Listen to this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now listen, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come alongside with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. 
So Jesus takes a while to get to this situation. And there's all sorts of theological conversation going on. There's all sorts of interpretation happening that we can get into, and that we got into a little bit last week. We also saw the anger that the sisters experienced, the questions they had amid their grief, feeling like, Jesus, where were you? Why didn't you get here? Why are we facing this situation? Questions that we've all asked of God. Good questions, safe questions. We found out last week that it's okay. That in our anger, we're not to take that to other people. We're not to take it out on other things. The best thing we can do is take that to God because God is the one who can listen to our anger and heal our hearts. I understand that's not easy to do, but it's what we see. That with our hands clenched and tears burning, can tell God how we truly feel. And then what I think is powerful about this is that Jesus sees the depth of the suffering that these people are experiencing. He sees the tears in Mary's eyes. He sees the tears in the eyes of the people around. He sees the very real grief that they're experiencing. And the Jesus who said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, grieves himself. The one who said, you should mourn, also mourns. The one who says, it's good to weep, also weeps. Verse 35 simply says, Jesus wept. Now listen to this. Jesus knew eternity. And the kingdom of God better than anyone else. Yet he wept. Because this world is full of pain, regret, loss, sadness, and devastation. This story reminds us that Jesus entered into the suffering of people. And what's amazing about this is that this seems to define Jesus more than any other trait. This is fascinating to me. If you add up all the emotions that we're told that Jesus expressed, all the emotions that Jesus felt, they wouldn't surpass the number of times that Jesus expressed compassion. Now listen to that again. This is amazing to me. Jesus, in his humanity, the Son of God in His humanity experienced the emotions that you and I experience. This is the power of what we call the incarnation. God taking up residence as man. The spiritual meaning the world. Dwelling among us. And not living separate from us. Not living different from us, but experiencing the emotions that you feel and the emotions that I feel. So when you feel surprised, God has felt surprised. When you feel anger, you can know that God has felt anger. When you feel disappointed, you can see here that Jesus also felt disappointment. But if you add all of those feelings up, they don't even add up to the amount of times that Jesus felt the emotion of compassion. And that's what we see when Jesus wept. 
At this moment, Jesus was heartbroken. And we know in Jesus, we see the heart of God. When he cry, or when we cry, he cries. When we mourn, he mourns. And we have a call to do the same. Listen to that again. When, he, when we cry, God cries. When we mourn, God mourns. And we have a call to do the same. We are called to follow Jesus, to look like Jesus, to follow Jesus on this journey of life, to not go off in these other directions that we could go, but to follow Jesus, to look like Jesus, to experience the emotions that Jesus experienced in the most holy way, but to experience that compassion. We have a call to do this. In the book of Romans, an early follower of Jesus named Paul wrote this encouragement to a young church in the city of Rome. Listen to what he says. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. A simple verse, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now this seems so simple, doesn't it? It seems like common sense. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. But I think what we see and what we saw at the beginning of this, of this sermon as we talked about this was that it's difficult to mourn. We want to move on. We want to get over it. We want to get on with our lives. We don't want to sit in the ash of sadness. Yet Paul says, listen, you are to rejoice with those that rejoice. That's okay. But you need to mourn with those who mourn. And with Jesus, we saw that his primary emotion is compassion. So we are called to look like Jesus, to mourn when people are mourning. On our journey to be like Jesus, we often overlook his emotions. Jesus revealed what it meant to be fully human and made in the image of God. And his emotions perfectly reflected the image of God. To be like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to reflect God, therefore, is to mourn when others mourn. We recently went for a walk as a family. And uh, Jill and I were lagging behind, and we allowed Emily and Maggie to sort of run up on ahead of us. And uh, we were just talking and talking about life and going for this walk. And all of a sudden, we heard screaming. And we saw Emily come running back towards us, telling us that something was wrong. And so we kind of ran ahead, you know, quickly to see what was going on. And then we saw Maggie, our daughter, our five-year-old, coming back towards us. And her face was absolutely covered in blood. That blood was running down her face because her face had caught the sidewalk as she fell. And we sort of felt what every parent feels like in that moment. We grabbed her in our arms. We carried her to the house. We began to wipe her down. And like any parent, as she cried those tears of emotion, of fear, and of sadness, and of pain, we empathized with her like a parent does. And we felt that pain, and we cried with her. Because you cry when your child cries. You hurt when they hurt. You're afraid when they are afraid. I'm concerned 
that we're becoming numb to the suffering around us. I'm concerned that we've become numb to the reality of mourning in our world. I'm concerned that rather than mourning with those who are mourning, we are rushing to celebrate. Almost a thousand people per day still die from COVID-19. And in our rush to move on with our lives, my fear is that we have become numb, even callous, to the reality of death around us. In that same vein, I fear that this same numbness will impact the response to the plea to end systemic racism. Are we going to continue to hear the voices of those mourning the reality of a broken system? Or will they become background noise? There are people in our world hurting. There are people experiencing pain. There are people who are mourning. And we have a call as Jesus people to mourn with those who mourn. Now, you don't have to mourn and only mourn. You can celebrate with those who celebrate. You can rejoice with those who rejoice. But listen to this. But to ignore those who are still mourning is to ignore the heart of God. Let me read that again, this statement that I want to make sure we hear. To ignore those who are still mourning is to ignore the heart of God. To celebrate with those who celebrate is holy. To mourn with those who mourn is holy. But to only celebrate with those who celebrate and to ignore those who are mourning is to ignore the heart of God and our world is mourning. So on this Father's Day, this is my plea, that we would have the heart of our Heavenly Father, the heart that was revealed in Jesus. And I pray that we would not ignore the emotion of sadness that comes with grief in those that are grieving, but that we would embrace it and we would allow to God we would allow God to work in and through us. I pray that we would celebrate with those who celebrate, but that we would not ignore the heart of God by not mourning those who mourn. Let's join in with Jesus. Let's join the heart of God in a world of grief, let's not rush to move beyond the pain of sadness that is in our world, but to sit in it, to grieve with those grieving, to mourn with those who mourn. That is how we love God, how we love others, and bring life to our world. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful. God, that you feel what we feel. That through Jesus, you experienced everything that it means to be human. That you get our fear. That you 
get our grief and our sadness. God, that when you watched others weeping, you joined them in that and you wept and you felt that sadness. God, help us to not short-circuit the grief of our world. Help us to be like Jesus, to come alongside a hurting world and show your love by mourning with those who are mourning. And it's your name that we pray today. Amen.